focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Alright, welcome. This is uh, Processing College Football with Jason and Mark. I'm your host, Jason Randaza. I'm broadcasting here from New York City, New York. Uh, and my co-host is Mark Catlin. Mark, how are you doing? Doing well, man. I'm here in Princeton, New Jersey, uh, ready to get this thing kicked off. Me too. This is our inaugural episode, and uh, inaugural, of course, is from the Latin uh, "in," meaning within, "og," meaning first episode, and "ural," I believe, being a mountain range in Russia. So um, we're just to introduce the show to our new listeners, which uh, I believe is everybody. Um, uh, we are an Alabama football podcast, so I say Alabama football and everybody thinks Alabama Crimson Tide, which is accurate. Um, we will be chiefly focused on Alabama Crimson Tide, but we're going to touch a little bit on uh, Auburn as well, albeit begrudgingly, um, and UAB, that's my team, uh, and Samford, Samford, not Stanford, um, which is where Mark went to school. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I I'm pretty excited about it. How are you feeling, Mark? Feeling good, man. It's, uh, it's cool to be able to co cover Alabama football. Uh, and like you said, the state of Alabama, it will be a focus on the Crimson Tide, uh, which, you know, for me, I've been a, a huge fan of Alabama football for a long time growing up in Alabama, even though I'm in New Jersey now, I grew up in Alabama and I still remember as a kid cheering for the Tide and, you know, being uh, really excited when they won, being really down when they lost, getting in debates about Alabama and Auburn, who had the better team, et cetera. Uh, I remember, you know, 1992, that season, uh, and then playing Miami in the Sugar Bowl. We beat Miami uh, for the national championship. We actually just killed them running outside of my house when we scored a touchdown and screaming Roll Tide, all those sort of things. Then we went in kind of a bad you know, kind of slump for a while there. Now Saban's brought brought it back. And so I'm really excited to talk about Alabama football. But one of the reasons I'm most excited to do this podcast, Jason, is I'm excited to do it with you because we we grew up together in yeah, Alabama, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that's why we're, we're doing college football. But, you know, the interesting thing to me, Jason, and I still don't know the answer to this question, is although I grew up loving college football and cheering for it and cheering for the Tide in particular, you didn't. You know, you weren't a college football fan. You weren't a big sports fan in general. That that is absolutely true. I uh, I, I was that kid who, uh, when everybody was picking teams uh, in sports, I was picked last, and they're like, Jason, you can be the ref. Um, <laughs> and part of that was because I was small, but another part of that was because I didn't really know or like sports um, and mostly didn't know the rules, which was kind of a curious choice to make me the ref, but I don't think I made too many calls. Um, but it's true. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I, I didn't, uh, I didn't really follow sports. Um, and I remember, yeah, Mark and I, we go back a long time. Uh, I think Mark and I first met when we were about five years old. 
um, at some point early on in the friendship, Mark came over my house. It might have been after school, and I remember you left a a small like red uh, like pencil box. Uh, it was like a plastic pencil box over my house, and on, there was a sticker on it, and it was like a picture of a football player, and I think maybe like a a school bus and a cheerleader in the background. And I remember like studying it and being like so like curious about it because. I didn't understand it. It was almost like an artifact from like a foreign culture, um, <laughs> and that's that's kind of how I regarded football uh, most of my life. And it wasn't until I moved up to New York City um, about five or six years ago um, that I really got into college football. And and the reason for that is you grow up in Alabama, especially Birmingham where we grew up, and college football is kind of life. So you get asked, you know, in addition to hey, what's your name? Where do you go to church? Who do you cheer for? And the only acceptable answers to that are either Auburn or Alabama. And so you, you have to pick a side uh, pretty early. At, at some point, I started saying UAB, uh, and people would just kind of, like, scoff, and they'd be like, okay, but but for real. Um, and so I ended up choosing Alabama back then uh, for no other reason than I just like the colors better than Auburn. I mean, yeah, true orange too. and blue. Come on. I mean, guys get real. But anyway, um, so that was kind of growing up, but you don't really realize growing up that uh, kind of the whole culture, you know, becomes a part of you, even if you're not a part of it. And so, like, I moved up to New York, and uh, my sister, who already lived here, she's like, hey, you know, football season's going to start uh, soon. Um, you know, when football season starts, why don't you come with me to the Alabama football bar um, and we'll watch a football game? And I was like, yeah, o okay. Um, and so I went to the Alabama football bar, which is uh, the Ainsworth, by the way. I have mixed feelings on it these days, but um, back then I went and we watched a football game. And it was amazing because I was, a r I was surrounded by people in New York City where I knew basically nobody except for my sister. And we all knew the same culture, we all knew the same songs, uh, and we were cheering for Alabama, which was, you know, uh, my home team. Um, so it seemed really important to me, and so I, I started to, uh, you know, follow it more and more. I got really into it that season. Um, that was uh, 2012, um, and uh, that was a, a championship year for us. We played Notre Dame in, in the national title game um, and crushed them. Uh, and yes. you know, it was, it was a demolition for sure. <laughs> it was a demolition. Like, that's uh, a good season to start. It was a great season to start. And everybody's, everybody will say, and, and for good reason, oh, Jason, you got into it at like the high point, you know? Um, and, uh, it's easy to be a fan of Alabama these days. Uh, and that's true. I, I'm not going to deny that. Um, but I, I've really tried to get into, uh, like college football in general. And I know we said we're an Alabama football podcast but we're going to talk about other other um big games as well um yep. but the focus will will be mostly on alabama and and you know that kind of uh gets into our topic into into uh kind of the the title of our show uh we're called uh processing college football and mark you want to talk a little bit about why we we chose that yeah, well, first, man, uh, that's really cool to hear. You know, I, I had not heard that story uh, and not known why you really yeah. got into college football. But that's great. And it's amazing. Part of the, the really neat thing about Alabama football is there's a community. Wherever you are, there's a community to be a part of. 
you know. Mm-hmm. And so there you are in New York, and you can go to the Alabama bar yeah. and 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 watch a football game and find a bunch of people who are I, unified around that. And I'll I think be that's honest, one of the yeah. unique things. What's it's, that? I'll be honest. The, the, it's it's a little bit. It, it's crazy. I, oh yeah. I, I don't know if it's healthy or normal, <laughs> but, but but it's true, yeah. you know. Um, and so that, that's really that's really neat to hear. And you definitely are getting involved at a at a great point, really a unique point, an historic point in college football where Alabama's on this run. But hey, uh, come on the bandwagon, and, and and we welcome you with open arms. And so it's cool, uh, like I said, just to do this with an old friend to reconnect. You know, we're uh, close to one another geographically. Uh, relatively speaking, you know, you're in New York and I'm in I'm in New Jersey, and to be able to do this is really cool. So it's cool to connect uh, with the basis being the tide and, and be able to talk about that and uh, more generally about college football. But so that's neat, man. It's good to hear that story, and uh, I'm really excited to to do this with you. Um, but as far as processing college football. You know, part of it uh, related to Alabama football is Nick Saban's uh, made famous this idea of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, and so we're called processing college football in part because of that. And, and what Saban means by that and the process is that he's a process-oriented coach. You know, uh, a lot of people try to motivate with results. that you get a championship and, and you'll win and you'll do all these things. Uh, Saban says we don't need to focus on that. We don't need to focus on – uh, winning and those sorts of things. What we need to focus on is what it takes to win. The process that somebody needs to go through, not even week in, week out, year in, year out. It's day in, day out. Um, drill in and drill. Every drill, where your eyes are, where your hands are, where your feet are uh, for a particular drill. What you're doing in that particular workout or lift that day. If your focus is where it needs to be, Every second of the day when you're practicing for this, the results are going to come. Mm-hmm. And Nick Saban has made that famous. One of the reasons he made that famous is, guess what? The results come. Yeah. With the championships that he has, five national championships in college football, people are starting to listen listen to that sort of process. And so uh, with an emphasis on, col- uh, on Alabama football, mm-hmm. um, you know, processing college football uh, sort of takes our name from that. But at the same time, uh, Jason, I'll let you talk about this. It's also about you being new to college football. Yeah. There's some things that you may not know. And so it's also it's a double entendre. There's another layer of meaning to it. And um, also literally just processing the game of college football. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so basically I know some people, especially if uh, you're in – I guess what I would really like is to attract uh, listeners who are looking to get into college football themselves. And they might have heard me say earlier in the show that I've been following it for about five years, you know, like since uh, the 2012 season. And they think, oh, you know, like he's an expert at this point. But like, honestly, you know what I think of college football is like it's like um, learning a new language. Uh, I, I can spend, it seems like, years on it. But I might never be as fluent as somebody who grew up speaking it. Um, mm. But I can still converse in it, and I can still really enjoy it. Um, and and I'm gonna try to get as fluent as possible. I'll tell you that. Um, 
but uh, yeah, so that that's kind of what I'm thinking of when we're talking about co- processing college football. Is I will um, talk to Mark, who is that that you know lifelong college football speaker, um, and get to know the sport better. Um, I'm not going to be afraid to ask some of the dumb questions, uh, maybe even all of the dumb questions. Uh, I definitely have them. Jason, there are no dumb questions. <laughs> well, I'll try to prove you wrong on that. Um, okay. But uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, we we, we want to do a, a quick uh, kind of season preview. Not really. We're gonna we're gonna hit the highlights. We're gonna talk about um, the different conference championships. Uh, we're gonna list out our you know really irresponsibly early college football playoff picks, and then we're gonna talk about uh, the upcoming games for the week. Um, how's that sound, Mark? Sounds awesome, man. Let's get going and. Uh, you know, I think we'll hear from you. You're going to be the star of the show, I think, in processing college football, and um, I'll try to tell you where you're wrong and try to <laughs> try to help try to help move it along and a- answer your dumb questions that you have. So yeah, see, what I'm looking for you to do is um, when I uh, hit these talking points with you, you need to correct me so that when I bring them out in public, I don't embarrass myself. Okay. Well, you know, it depends on how public this podcast is going to be, but I'll try to, you know, sigh as loudly as possible. Like, ugh, like that when you say something stupid. So, all right. Should so, be good. So, real quick, let's do a, a down and dirty um, kind of uh, season preview. Um, so, let's talk conference championships. The first conference championship I want to talk about is the Big 12. Now, the Big 12, um, for those of you new to the sport, has is a conference with 10 teams. Um, and because it has 10 teams, I think, as I understand it, uh, NCAA rules basically said that for a long time, I guess they weren't allowed to have a conference championship or they just didn't. I don't know. That part's not so important. But basically, uh, in the off season, they made the decision that uh, they weren't being taken seriously, I think, when it comes to picking who the conference or the, the, the playoff uh, contenders were um, because they didn't play a, a championship game and so they decided okay uh, we're going to start having a championship game and as I understand it it's going to be the the top two teams from the conference that will compete against each other is that your understanding I think that's right and part of this history is very complicated um, they used to have a conference champion they used to have two divisions and then the winner of each division would play then they they went down to like nine teams and didn't have a conference champion. They just did kind of a round robin sort of thing where teams played each other, but it, it didn't, it just didn't work. Like you said, it, nobody really respected the, the process they were going through, whether right or wrong. That was, that was kind of the idea. So they're uh, bringing back a conference championship, which by the way, conference championships are not that old. Uh, the SEC was actually the first to do it. And the first conference championship game was, Alabama, Florida back in 92. but So it's a relatively new thing, but given the way that conferences operate now, it's an important thing to have a conference championship. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. However, if, if you like do a little research and you, you look at the standings from last year, uh, the, the conference championship would have been Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And they're supposed to play in, I think, the, the first or second uh, – weekend after the regular season so they would have played against each other in bedlam the the game where oklahoma and oklahoma state play each other every year at the end as rivals and then they would have played again in the conference championship like the very next week 
um, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, and I think I, I think that's right. Yeah, yeah. Because well, uh, some sometimes it happens that way, man. Yeah, I mean, and so actually, uh, just getting into my pick, uh, I think I'm going to say it's going to be Oklahoma, Oklahoma State again this year. Uh, I think that's a, that's a solid pick. Who you got winning? Um, I think Oklahoma. I have no reason for that uh, other than I think they, they finished uh, in the standings higher last year, and at this point in the season, uh, I think the best indicator of future performance is past performance. Uh, it's not a bad it's not a bad pick at all. I think I'm gonna go Oklahoma State. Uh, I think I have the same championship game, but I'm gonna go Oklahoma State. Okay, great. Uh, there, there's not there's not a real good reason to pick either one over the other. It's kind of a toss up, but you know Mike Gundy uh, for Oklahoma State has a mullet, and I I'm gonna vote for the mullet. Sure, you you can't go wrong there at least half the time. <laughs> I mean, um, we're talking Alabama now, so we gotta vote mullet. That's true. All right, let's go to the Big Ten. All right, now, again, Big Ten uh, has 12 teams. Uh, my pick for this is uh, Ohio State, Wisconsin. Okay. Who you got winning? Who do I hope to win, or who do I think will win? Uh, who do you think's going to win? I think Ohio State will win. I would like to see Wisconsin there, um, but uh, but I don't think Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've got Ohio State... Um, Listen, the second best coach in college football is Urban Meyer. Mm -hmm. uh, they got they got embarrassed, absolutely embarrassed by Clemson in the playoff, and it's just it's not going to happen again. They're going to come back with a fury this year, I think. They have an experienced quarterback. Um, it, Ohio State's going to be very good. Yeah, and and I like sort of don't believe that Wisconsin's going to get into that game based on the same merits that Ohio State will get there. Um, I think Wisconsin just has a very uh, good schedule, um, and I, I say good meaning uh, it, it it looks pretty easy. Um, I think their one tough game is Michigan in like week eleven. Um, other than that, it, it looks like a cakewalk, especially since Wisconsin did so well last year. But anyway, uh, moving on. Let's let's talk about the Pac-12. Uh, we'll go out west. I am going to say. Washington, USC. Uh, I think you're going to pick Stanford over Washington, um, but uh, I don't know. What do you think? No, Washington's a good Washington's a good pick. You know, it's tough now to make a pick because I've, I've seen Stanford play now, and that that colors a little bit of it. They're very explosive. I mean, they're playing Rice, but um, in in Australia, which is weird, but. Um, I think Washington's a great pick. Uh, I am going to go Stanford, however, uh, in the north. And so, so yeah, I've got Stanford, USC. You have Washington, USC. Who do you have winning there? Uh, I have Washington winning there. Yeah, and I'm going to go USC. I'm a, I'm a Sam Darnold fan. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he completely changed the game when he started playing for USC last year. I mean, Alabama opened with USC last year and utterly destroyed them. Um, yeah. No, they and then did. and then Sam and they were just not very good. But, Sam Darnold came in and they had an incredible run after that. And he's just got he can make every throw. He's very good leadership and tangibles, all that stuff. Now, on the other hand, Washington's got to find quarterback themselves and Jake Browning. So. Um, 
but it should be a wonderful game. Uh, I'm going to go the Trojans, though. Okay. Okay. You know, I thought the Pac-12 was really... When I was looking and researching uh, this, I, I was like, okay, uh, in order to make some informed picks, let me look at kind of the recent history of all these conference championships and see, like, who's played in it. And the Pac-12, it was funny because in the last three years of conference championships, they have had six different teams play in it. Um, yeah. Uh, which which is good, you know. I think it's a sign of uh, a more balanced conference than we see in some of the other ones. Um, and on that note, we're going to talk about the ACC. So uh, I have FSU uh, against Miami. Now I know you have either FSU or Clemson uh, because you can go back to it looks like 2008, and it's either been FSU or Clemson every year for like 10 seasons. Um, so they're dominant, and I don't. I never know if they're in the Atlantic or the coastal, frankly. Who who comes in in Florida State? Yeah. Uh, they're in the Atlantic. Yeah, it's that's a stupid name for a division. Well, but, it's the Atlantic Coast Conference, and I, there's Atlantic and coastal. It's pretty. I think it's pretty creative, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and innovative the way that they did it. I mean, the Big Ten a while back tried to do leaders and legends. That was a little strange, and so. Uh, they stopped and didn't do that anymore and did East and West. So I think the ACC is just sticking with for the Atlantic Coast. Guess what? We have Atlantic. We have Coastal. All right. So who do you have? Uh, I have Florida State. Okay. Uh, and then um, I do – I'm going to take Miami out of the Coastal. Uh, the Coastal is really interesting and I think kind of a toss-up. But I'm going to take Florida State. I think Clemson lost too much. Deshaun Watson was kind of yeah. a, it, it, the best player in Clemson history, basically. Definitely the best quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and a huge part of the reason, a, a huge part of why they got to the national championship yeah. in the past couple years. He's gone, and he's going to be hard to replace. Um, and so, yeah, Florida State's bringing back a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll get some more of that with Alabama and Florida State, I think. But I got Florida State. uh in the matchup. And then I also have Florida state winning the whole thing in the ACC. It's not the whole thing. Yeah. Bite your tongue. ACC. Okay. I feel pretty good about that one. Um, uh, all right. So that brings us to obviously the most exciting conference, uh, next to conference USA, of course, but, uh, the sec. All right. I have Alabama, Florida. I think it was Alabama, Florida last year. I think it might've even been Alabama, Florida the year before. Um, I, I, if I'm being really honest, uh, and maybe it's just because I'm a, a, a nervous fan who is afraid everything's going to fall apart, um, but I, I, I almost feel more confident that Florida's uh, the more likely of the two to make it to that conference championship game, um, just because I, I worry a lot about Alabama's schedule, um, particularly against teams like LSU and Auburn, who I, I think could be really good this year. Yeah, um, I think it's not a bad. It's not a bad pick. It's not a bad concern. Uh, in my opinion, um, uh, I'm going to take Georgia in the East. Okay. Uh, I think Kirby Smart's doing a good job over there. They got some returning pieces with Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, turning QB, and I think Kirby Smart will make that defense more and more solid as he goes on. 
Um, I think Florida, I mean, I think there was news today. I didn't get to read the details yeah. of it. Yeah, I read this. Okay. They're like missing 10 players or something for the game against Michigan. Uh, that That's not a good sign. No. You know, I don't know how long those players are going to be gone, but just in turn, I mean, I think they're probably going to lose the game against Michigan, which is mm-hmm. we're supposed to talk about later, but um, <clears throat> it's not a good sign for Florida. No, it's so it's... I'm going to take Georgia. I think it's between Florida and Georgia in the East. I'll take Georgia. And then in the West, I think Alabama. Um, and I, I'm a Bama homer, and there's yeah. no doubt about that. But I, I, d- I don't see the path being too difficult. There, there's a couple of tough spots. Okay. Um, I think Auburn is probably going to be the hardest game yeah. at, uh, at Jordan-Hare. Um, so it, I think that's definitely the hardest game. But I got Alabama winning the West with maybe that Auburn being the greatest obstacle. Do you see any losses on their schedule? You know, I think the greatest chance for chances for losses for Alabama uh, are going to be uh, this Saturday. Florida State. Yeah. yeah, Florida State for sure. A great football team. Uh, so really, the beginning and end. <laughs> uh, Florida State. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's a tough way to start the season. It'll be a tough game to to end the regular season. Um, I think they may lose one of those. You know, I hope. If they do lose, I hope it's to Florida State out of conference, first game. Definitely come back from that. Losing to Auburn would be tough. It's always tough, even if we're mm-hmm. both 0-12 or whatever going into the game. But um, they're going to be good this year with Jared Stidham coming uh, as a transfer from Baylor and, and going to play this year. He's going to be great. So I think that those will be their two toughest games. Yeah. The other thing um, about Alabama's schedule that will be tough is, uh, I think, the Tennessee game. Uh, the reason I think the Tennessee game will be tough uh, really has nothing to do with Tennessee being good. I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year. They lose a ton of pieces to the puzzle. But um, it's just where they fall on the schedule. They're the fifth SEC game in a row in a with row. no buys and eighth game in a row. The good news is it's at home, so I think it's a W, but I wouldn't be surprised if – they're tired, they're worn down, and that's a lot harder game than people anticipate. And that's the way that it always is. Um, and one of the reasons I'm not too worried about LSU is we play them coming off a bye, we'll get rest, we'll have time to prepare, and LSU will, will not be that tough of a game. It's always a tough physical game, but I don't see that as being one of the toughest. Sure. So I think the, the Florida State game, uh, the Tennessee game, and really the Tennessee game, not only at the end of five games, but after Arkansas, I think we almost always win that game, but it's always a very physical yeah. game. The, the way that Arkansas plays, the sort of offensive line that they have, um, that, that can, and they just play physical football, kind of down your throat football. They're going to be tired, man, going into the Tennessee game. And if they're not up for it, uh, watch out. That, that could be a, a trap game where, where we get a loss where we shouldn't. I expect them to win, but it'll be tough. Yeah, actually. Um... Uh, I went to the the Alabama Arkansas game. Oh, jeez, maybe 2014. Um, okay. I believe the score was 54 and zero. Uh, yes, I, there, there was. I mean, there was the shellacking that we did to Arkansas. Um, but I think I think Bielema has got them playing a lot more physical now yeah. uh, than then. And there have been a couple of really close games. There's one game we should have lost really um, to them, but. Uh, 
anyway, I think the the Tennessee game, the Florida State game, and uh, the Auburn game are going to be our our toughest. Yeah. I mean, LSU is always tough, but um, that's where I see potential losses. Okay. Uh, so something else we should discuss if we're uh, previewing a little bit of Alabama's uh, schedule, and this kind of colors the whole thing, is uh, what do you think of their new offensive coordinator? Now, Alabama has had the y- unique, I don't know, um, maybe, I don't know if this is braggable or not, but they've had three offensive coordinators in like 10 months. Um so, Brian, is it Dabble? Drabble? Brian Dable, as I Dable say. Dable from yeah. the Patriots, right? Yep, tight ends coach from the Patriots. What, what, what do you think of him? I mean, I think he's going to be good. Okay. Uh, he's he, he's a good, creative thinker. I mean, coming from the Patriots, uh, great offense, right? I mean, obviously they have uh, maybe the greatest of all time in Tom Brady, at quarterback. But um, I think he's going to be really good. I think he's a, a great coach. He's going to bring uh, a, a pro-style offense. Uh, I think he's going to really help Jalen Hurts develop as a passer. Uh-huh. Um, and then as a tight ends coach, one of the things that's been missing from Alabama football is making use of some extremely talented tight ends that we've had. Uh, and and we just didn't take advantage of O.J. Howard, for example. Yeah, 6'6", fast, can catch the ball. In the championship game against Clemson, he was kind of the difference maker the first year we played him. Oh, I remember. Uh, and But he kind of came out of nowhere, you know? Um, and yet here was this target that we could have taken advantage of. And as a tight ends coach, as an offensive mind, I think we have some other talented players. O.J. Howard's gone. But we have some other talented uh, tight ends. Um, uh, Miller Forstall, Hell Hengis, Irv Smith is a younger guy. And I think he's going to take advantage of that. And there will be some great plays to tight ends when we're in the red zone which is inside the 20 uh, and uh, about to score a touchdown. I think we'll see that increase. We've struggled in scoring touchdowns once we get down there. I think as a tight end coach, making taking advantage of the tight ends, that'll increase. Um, and it'll just open the playbook a little bit to be able to do that. And it'll help Jalen Hurts, I think, because of that, partly because of that, develop as a passer. And if mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts develops as a passer, our offense is going to be pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and, so, and I think he's going to do that. Uh, he's going to do that. So he brings a little bit different mindset than Kiffin or Sarkeesian. <laughs> Another way to to put the... Uh, Let's hope he's more clear-minded than Sarkeesian. Yeah. Another way to put it, you know, is as far as the offensive coordinator thing is, you know, this is the third offensive coordinator in the past three games that we've played. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I'm not... Uh, yeah, the whole debacle at the end of last year was just kind of crazy, but... I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a steady presence. Uh, he's going to be a good coach, especially for Jalen. Um, bring a little bit something different to the playbook, being able to emphasize our tight ends in the passing game. Uh, and I think that will open things up a little bit, as well as uh, allow us to score in the red zone a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a pretty good preview for Alabama. As I said, we do have a lot of other things to talk about. But uh, that wraps up our kind of uh, our really early – conference championship predictions so uh who do you have in the uh in the 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 playoff which which one of these champs gets snubbed so uh i think the big 12 champs still get snubbed yeah um or i guess i mean they're yeah so i go i'm going bama mm-hmm. uh and i'm not sure how they're going to break down the bowls but i'm going to go bama and florida state are actually going to be in the playoff 
Okay. Uh, I think whoever loses that game, I think it'll be a close game. Whoever loses uh, will uh, run the table. And even if they're two loss, I think they'll run the table and, and make it. So I got Bam and FSU potentially in a rematch at the end. Wow, that would be great. Uh, and then I got USC and Ohio State. So those are my four uh, in the playoff. And then I'll give you an overall winner. Uh, this is going to be a shock. This mm-hmm. is going to be a, a surprise to everybody. Um, I have Alabama winning the national Bold pick, sir. Bold, Bold yeah. pick. Hey. Uh, so I have uh, the, the same thing, except in, uh, I have Washington coming out of the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, again, you know, <laughs> Big 12, you know, get a real conference championship and then you can play. Um, until then, I think I, I think it really, uh, they have to count on several two-loss teams and then their teams being undefeated. Um, and I, I just, I don't know. Even then, I think it's... A little uh, doubtful. Um, so, Mark, college football season is about to start. We are mere days away. Um, you want to talk about some games? Yeah, let's do it, man. Sorry. All right. Um, first, of course, Alabama FSU. Uh, now, the this is a, a big game. Um some people are worried that it could only be downhill from here um, because we're getting the potentially most exciting match out of the way right up front until the the, the playoff actually comes. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, Vegas currently has a line at uh, Alabama by seven, seven and a half. And that's a that's a big spread for this I game. I agree. Uh, that's it. That's kind. Of, I think it's kind of insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I'm a Florida State player, that's motivation for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, yeah. I think I think that's pretty big. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, you know, I, I, a lot of people are calling it the goat, uh, the greatest opener of all time. Yep. Goat, really the greatest of all time in whatever sport or field or whatever. Um, and it's kind of true. There's never been a matchup to start off the season of one and three. Uh, there's been a few matches of top uh, of top five teams. The number one teams won, I think, each of those. Um, but this is going to be a, an incredible matchup. Uh, talent all over the field, two great football teams. And with the starting the season, the preparation they've put in um, to prepare for one another and, and the motivation that they're going to have, There'll be a little of the first game kind of jitters maybe to start, but these teams are going to be focused. A lot of talent, a lot of focus. It's going to be cool. I think the key matchup in the game uh, is going to be Jalen Hurts against uh, Florida State secondary. Uh, by secondary, uh, I mean the guys who uh, cover mainly the passing game, the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a, an All-American safety in Derwin James who's just uh, – uh, a potential All-American safety in Derwin James, who's just unbelievably talented and gifted. And um, if Jalen Hurts is not developed well as a passer, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard to throw on Florida State. Their defense is going to be solid. Um, my hope uh, is, and I think that this will happen, um, is that the running game will open up some stuff for Jalen. He's still going to have to hit it. Uh, but our our backfield with Bo Scarborough, mm-hmm. um, Damian Harris, a true freshman in Najee Harris – uh, and I really hope that Joshua Jacobs is able to play. He's had some hamstring issues. I, but... I think it – I just read about it, and it looks like he's probably not playing this week. I That's a bummer. 
I don't know if he's the best, but I love to watch Joshua Jacobs play. Mm-hmm. He is so shifty and quick, uh, both like at the line of scrimmage to be able to do things in a small amount of space, and also in the open field. He's exciting to watch. I, I think that's kind of a loss for us, but we do have depth mm-hmm. at that position. We have a lot of players at that position. Bo Scarborough is is kind of a key. In the Clemson game last year in the national championship, uh, we were going along fine. Middle of the third quarter, he breaks his leg, and that's where everything changed. Uh, he didn't play. Now, I think part of that was play calling. We could have leaned on Damian Harris, who was the horse for most of the year, uh, but we didn't. So part of that was play calling. But there's no doubt that when he went out of the game, the dynamics to the change complete game completely changed. So I think what we'll see is um, we may take a couple of shots down the field and maybe get a couple of – short throws to get Jalen going. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard sledding, though, and I think we'll pound away uh, at Florida State, and it'll be hard sledding. Their defensive line, linebackers are good, solid, but with at least three running backs that I think we'll put out there, I think we'll see the true freshman Harris play. I think eventually we'll wear him down, um, and, and uh, we'll be able to later in the game throw a little bit and it'll be kind of classic Alabama football. We'll wear them down, and I think we'll pull out a close one. Um, so that's kind of the key matchup, I think, is Jalen uh, Hurts, our quarterback, versus Florida State's secondary and defending the pass. If he's developed as a passer, watch out. Um, but if he's still throwing like he was, not as accurate, yeah. um, then we'll have to rely on the running game to open up the pass, which I think will happen eventually in the game. But it's yeah. going to be it's you'll be worried for a while yeah so i've actually been reading a lot of articles about this game um and and i find myself reading a a lot of articles um i i seem to seek out the articles that make me the most anxious like there was one (laughs) i don't know maybe about a month ago that talked all about uh derwin james um and how he might be the best player um in all of college football. Now, I, I don't know what that... So, explain to me why he's such an exciting player. Um, I don't know. So, he plays on their defense, you said, in their secondary. Um, yeah. what, what's his role? So, uh, I mean, you really have to watch him to understand. And part of the thing with him is um, he got hurt last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Part of the thing with Derwin is that he's going to come back. He's going to come back uh, ready to play. He's going to be excited to play coming off an injury. Um, and so, so that's one thing. But back there, it's hard to explain in terms of he's just kind of always around the ball. He understands offenses. He understands the defense. Being in the very back of the defense, he knows where everybody's supposed to be. He can maneuver people so he can help set up the defense. The middle linebacker and the safety help do that. He can set up the defense well. He understands offensive schemes, which means he can read what's happening very quickly. He's athletically extremely gifted for a safety, so he's fast, he's big, he's a ball hawk. He's just got everything you want uh, in a safety and a defensive player, and he seems to find himself around the ball. The other thing with Derwin James is he's good in pass defense, but as a safety, a key to being a really good safety is being able to read run fast, be able to read that it's a run play really quickly mm. and his run defense is also really good mm. and so when you find like if if it's a run especially off the edge 
like you're going not running straight up the middle, but you're going more uh, side to side and trying to get around the edge of the offensive line. What you'll find if you watch Derwin James highlights is he's there to fill that gap between kind of the wide receiver who's split out a little bit in the line, and he fills that gap really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been some Alabama safeties who have done that in the past. Landon Collins is really good at that. Ronnie Harrison currently is really good at that. And Derwin James is right up there. And so he's just kind of the whole package. He can uh, defend the pass. He's an intelligent player, can read offenses, know how, knows how to set up the defense really well, and can also play the run. And when you watch him, he's just all over the place. Um, and so people are really excited about that. And people are saying – um, maybe he's the best player in college football. It'd be interesting to see how he comes back from injury. And they're saying he might, if there's a defensive player there at the end of the year competing for the Heisman Trophy that's given to the best player, most valuable player in college football, Derwin James would be that guy. Um, wow. And so I, it, that's just a little bit of, uh, of what makes Derwin James so good. Has a defensive player ever won the Heisman? You know, a defensive player has won the Heisman. Uh, the most recent in memory would be Charles Woodson uh, in 1997. Uh, he was, he played for Michigan. He was a cornerback. Um, but he didn't really win it only because of his defensive play. He was also uh, a punt and kick returner and very exciting there. And so he had that extra dimension where you could see it's not exactly offense, it's special teams in the kicking game, but you could see that he had ability when he had the ball in his hands to do something some, somewhat offensively minded. So you got to see another dimension, not just his defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was able to win it in 97. Uh, there are two other people who played defense mm-hmm. um, who won it. Larry Kelly from Yale in 1936. Sure, we all remember him. Who of course, the old... <laughs> You know, good old Larry. Uh, and Leon Hart, uh, who won the Heisman in 1948, who was at uh, Notre Dame. But both of those guys played uh, on both sides of the ball, meaning they played offense and they played defense. So they were defensive players, but not solely defensive players. The closest we've come to that is Charles Woodson. Another guy who came close purely as a defensive player was Ndamukong Sue in Nebraska. Sure. Just an unbelievable force. Um, and so there's a couple other guys who have come close, but um, uh, maybe Manti Teo did uh, a few years ago. But, um, yeah, Charles Woodson is the closest to a pure defensive player that we've gotten. Right. A player who's won the Heisman to be a pure defensive player. Well, I'll be honest. That summary of Derwin James did not make me feel better about this matchup. Um, what what do you have uh, the, the final score of this game at? <sighs> I've got uh, Bama winning twenty-four to twenty-one. That is exactly uh, my score. Are you serious? That's not true. No, I promise. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna take a picture and send it to you. Um, By the way, we don't. We actually don't really talk about any of this before. <laughs> no, we don't. Which is why I'm so shocked. It probably yeah. doesn't make for good podcasting, but uh, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, I was thinking that the line should be more around uh, Alabama, maybe by four. Uh, but I, I definitely have them. Uh, kind of just uh, just ahead of um, Florida State. Now I don't know if you know Alabama basically kind of roars ahead to twenty four, and then uh, FSU gets um, you know tw- like another touchdown at the end there. Uh, but I, I do have it as a close game in the end. All right, you want to talk about um, Auburn? 
Uh, not really. No, me either. Okay. Um, so Auburn is uh, playing Georgia Southern this weekend, and it looks like uh, Vegas has a line at uh, Auburn by 34 and a half points. Um, yeah. That seems yeah. about right. Georgia Southern, isn't that a, isn't that like a power company? Uh, like Alabama Power, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so, uh, I mean, Auburn's going to win the football game. Now, here's the thing. Georgia Southern runs, and maybe we could talk about the style of offense in the future and describe it because <laughs> it's not run that often. There are a few teams that, that run a version of the triple option. Sure. Uh, so like Georgia Tech does. I, uh, I want to be mindful because I want to save some of this for um, the episode that we devote entirely to Georgia, Georgia Southern. But uh, oh, <laughs> that's true. I'll save it for then. But the, I say that to say the triple option isn't run that much, which it can give teams trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was 2010. Um, I may not be right, but Alabama played Georgia Southern. And Georgia Southern – scored more points on Alabama than any other team that season. Wow. And, the, and there's an elite defense. Okay. The reason that's the case is Georgia Southern runs the triple option. and You got one week to prepare for it. The next week, I think we were playing Auburn after that, and they just ran all over us. I think they had 300 rushing yards against us. So all that to say, Auburn, and we still won the game handily, Auburn is going to win the game. Mm-hmm. Will they win by 34 and a half? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, it all depends on how they defend the triple option. Okay. All right. Um, I think that's all we uh, – wh- wh- what do you have the final score? Do you have a score in this one? Um, no. No, uh, me either. I don't know, 72 to – I'll go 28 for Georgia Southern. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a lot of points. Um, all right. Jared Stidham's going to be good. Let's, uh, let's talk about another Alabama um, – football team uab blazers uab blazers uh back from the dead um almost literally uh and this is their first game back since 2014 uh when they went six and six were bowl eligible and then the program was killed um and told they couldn't be they couldn't compete in a bowl um but then there was a lot of outcry and we'll we'll talk more about this i think later in the season i think a good time to talk about uh kind of the the whole story behind uab is uh week 11 or so when they play florida um but uh this this is their their first game back after that long um hiatus i guess you could call it they're playing alabama a&m um, now, Vegas, curiously, did not set a line for this one that I could find. Um, but all of the, the articles you read basically say um, that UAB is going to have a, a struggle this year. Um, so I don't know if, if, if they're favored to, to win this game. I, I should note that I'm actually going to this game. I'm flying down to Birmingham, and I'm going to watch this game in person. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of excitement around the game. It'll be a really neat atmosphere to be there. But it is going to be a very tough season. To not have a football program for two years mm-hmm. and try to come back is just you got a lot of transfers. You're going to have a lot of freshmen. Yeah. It's really hard to come together as a team. It's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be really, really tough. But it'll still be an exciting year just to have UAB football back. I agree. Uh, and then Birmingham. So 
Yeah. Fun. We're looking forward to a report about that. Maybe some live tweeting from the. <laughs> I, I certainly will. And since Mark mentioned it, you can follow us um, on Twitter at processingcfb. Um, that's our Twitter handle. We'll talk a little bit more about website and where else you can find us and how you can contact us in a moment. But yeah, UAB, um, some of the good things they have going for them. Coach Bill Clark, um, he was the one who led them to that 6-6 six and six season. Um, some people might not call that a winning season, but I'm going to call it one because they were bowl eligible. Um, and, and he stayed with them uh, during this entire kind of off period, and he's rebuilt the team from scratch. Um, so it is a young team. We have a lot of junior college transfers. I, I, I don't know. I, I Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I, I feel pretty good about where UAV is, um, all things considered. Um, but, yeah, I, I have UAB at um, 124 and Alabama A&M um, resigning in shame. So that's, that's about where I, I mean, have it. I think that's probably right. You're talking about the end of the first quarter, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That seems right. Um, This, uh, you can call it a revolution. It will not be televised, though. So um, you you can probably listen to it on ESPN radio, maybe. Well, 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 then we'll be following you on Twitter. That's absolutely uh, To make sure we can follow along with all the exciting action there with UAB. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's all I really have to say about UAB right now. Uh, I will have more next week. Um, the other, uh, team, do you want to talk about Sanford at all this week? Not really. I mean, we'll talk about them, uh, pretty soon when they play Georgia. Yeah. Um, and so we can talk about them that week, but, you know, Sanford, my alma mater, um, uh, we'll definitely have to talk about them. You know, they're on the rise in the FCS, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, used to be called, um, uh, Division One AA, uh, so they're not in the same kind of tier weight class, so to speak, as uh, Alabama and and Auburn things like that. They're in the Southern Conference, picked to to finish third in the Southern Conference this year, um, but they're a good football team, and so it'll be fun to to be able to look at them and then see uh, preview them against Georgia, uh, and we'll we'll see what happens there. You know, I got Georgia winning the East. Obviously, that's going to be a tough game for the for the dogs, but. They're lucky lucky that Sanford game is out of conference, so um, it it doesn't (laughs) hurt their chances. Well, the only way it hurts their chances was really possible is that they all get injured. But um, I think I think they'll give uh, Georgia. I just said uh, it'll be a tough one for the dogs. They both happen to be bulldogs. Um, I meant it'll be a tough one for Sanford. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, we'll we'll preview them uh, when we get to Sanford, Georgia. All right, let's talk about the best of the rest here. Um, so other exciting games going on in the college football sh- sphere. Um, Michigan, Florida, I think, is the biggest one. I don't know what their preseason rankings are, but they're both ranked. Um, the line is somewhere between Michigan by three and a half to five. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I think this will be a good game. Um, I obviously won't be watching it because I believe it's on at the same time as the UAB game on Saturday. Um, but I'll, I'll look at some of the highlights afterwards. Yeah, I mean, this is a top 25 matchup. Um, you know, uh, depending on what poll you're looking at, Florida's either 16 or 17. Michigan's either uh, 9 or 11. Um, and so 
it on paper it was supposed to be a good matchup. I think with all the Florida players going to miss this game, I think Michigan's going to win and probably win handily. Yeah. Um, and so I think Michigan wins and uh, they'll win by more than that spread. With the players suspended, I mean, trying to predict the score is kind of strange, but well, uh, so I, I mean, think win. This. Yeah, Florida has ten players suspended. I. I downloaded their depth chart, um, and the reason I say it that way is because Mark just taught me what a depth chart was uh, a few days ago. Um, I would have called it a roster or a list of players before, but, you know. Uh, also correct. <laughs> Mark that is what they speaking are. more colloquially, I suppose. Um, so it looks like on uh, their, their first string, um, there's only a couple players, uh, but one of them is... Uh, their top running back, and and that I think was just announced today. Jordan Scarlett, um, I don't yeah. know him. He's a junior though. Uh, he is suspended, um, along for, uh, along with a couple people from their second string, and then uh, Antonio Callaway, who I think is their punt returner, um, and uh, a second string wide receiver. Um, so I think those are their biggest players suspended. So that'll make it a little bit more difficult against Michigan, who, uh, as I understand it, is hasn't released the depth chart, depth chart or or no no wait he just he, he released it today i think yeah um, i mean i think the thing with with that is there are a couple of key players missing which will affect the game and when a game is going to be close uh, that ends up being sure. pretty big uh, but it's also just like what what's the mindset of that team what's the you know morale like and all that kind of stuff it might be revealing some fracturing in the team which is why i'm not going to pl- pick one of the reasons I'm not going to pick Florida, I think I would take Georgia in the East anyway at the SEC, mm-hmm. but um, uh, things just don't look – it's not a good sign. Yeah. Um, and so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play. And I mean, the other side of the coin is things like that. Um, guys can suddenly realize who are, you know, in the number two spot on the depth chart. They can suddenly realize, hey, i got to step up and play. It can kind of galvanize a team. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll fracture. So we'll see. All right. Uh, I'm going to tell you my – uh, score first. I have okay. uh, Michigan 42, uh, Florida 31. It's pretty high scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go Michigan 38-17. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I think that's enough about that game. Let's talk about West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Uh, now the line currently is uh, Virginia Tech by about four. This is this is actually a Sunday game, um, so uh, that's different. But I guess when you don't have the NFL to compete against this week, uh, you can do that sort of thing. Uh, this is, I think, the only other matchup against two ranked teams. Yeah, so it's the only other top twenty-five matchup. Who do you uh, who do you have? I think Virginia Tech. Um, I, I don't have a score for this one. Um, and this is only based on kind of the research I did into how they did last year. I mean, so you look at some of... So you look at West Virginia. So West Virginia had three losses uh, last year, and it was to Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma, and Miami. So those were the three ranked teams they played, I think. Uh, and they lost all of them, and it was not close. Um, Virginia Tech, they had four losses, um, but one of them was to Clemson. 
uh, in the the championship, the the ACC championship, um, and and they beat Miami. I don't know. Uh, they just had some more impressive wins, I thought. So uh, I I know nothing about their team this year, um, and it's mostly about their team last year. Uh, so I, I I'm picking Virginia Tech to win this one. Yeah, uh, I'll take Virginia Tech as well. Uh, it should be a close game. It'll be an exciting game. But uh, I think the bottom line, without getting into too much detail, is Virginia Tech has a little bit better defense. Um, and I think that'll end up end up winning the game for him. Yeah. So do you have a score? Uh, if I have to pick a score, I, I think this one could be uh, a little higher scoring. Um, I don't know, maybe... 45-38. Yeah, I, I think that I think something in that range is probably right. I'm gonna go 38-35, okay. uh, Virginia Tech. All right. Um, the only other game I saw that might be of interest is Tennessee Georgia Tech. Now uh, Tennessee is ranked, Georgia Tech isn't, but um, the line's at Tennessee by three, so it could be a close game. Uh, Georgia Tech always seems to. I don't know, be a little unpredictable is my understanding um, across these last few years that I've been following the sport. Um, but well, yeah, I think, again, with that, part of that's the triple option. Uh, it depends on how well a coach can uh, coach his team to defend against a triple option. And so uh, Georgia Tech's going to be running that. Um, in my opinion, with kind of the summer – uh, to prepare and it being an opening game, Tennessee should come out with the ability to defend the triple option because um, it's not like in the middle of the season where you got one week to kind of prep, but uh, you can sprinkle it in um, kind of throughout summer preparation. And so I think Tennessee will win that game. Um, and man, I, I hope so. It'd be nice to see Tennessee uh, win an out of conference game like that. Um, Maybe win by, I think they'll win by 10. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I haven't put a whole lot of thought into this, but, uh, I mean, I definitely see Tennessee winning it. This this might be uh, classic SEC bias, but, uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's the gestalt, I suppose, of Tennessee. I just suppose they're a better team. Um, uh, my ACC friends might uh, balk at that. Um, okay, that's all the games I had to preview. Have anything you wanted to preview besides those games? No, man, I think that's that's a that's a good start. Uh, yeah. And uh, one of the things that I'm excited about is uh, on the other end of these games coming back and processing them. Yeah. Um, uh, hashtag process, and um, you know, looking at things like what penalties are called that are unusual. There's a couple of rule changes that maybe will come into play that we can talk about next week. It'll be interesting to see how our predictions go, yeah. <laughs> which is always uh, hard to do at the beginning of the season. Sometimes it's it's unpredictable. And so uh, I'm excited to kind of get this initial one out of the way, talk about what we're doing. Um, dude, it's just exciting to talk college football with Jason Randazza. Uh-huh. Um, that's just a, a cool thing. And, It'll be fun to, to chop it up a little bit on, on, on the other end. Yeah, no, uh, I agree. Mark Catlin discussing college football with me. Um, I never thought I'd live to see the day. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm glad that I'm not left out of those conversations anymore. Um, <laughs> but, 
I, I don't know what I used to talk about when, when you guys would go into that. I think I would just zone off. Um, but uh, what are you doing for the games this weekend? Wow, you had to ask the question, huh? I did. Um, you know, um, I'm going to have to record some of the games and turn off my phone. Because here's one of the things about living up here, Jason, is people don't care about college football. They don't. You uh, know. They really don't. And so they schedule people that I care about dearly schedule things like weddings on the opening Saturday of college football. And so um, I'm going to miss a good chunk of the games. And I have to say, at least live, I'm going to miss the first part of the Alabama game, maybe the first oh. half entirely. I'm get, and I'm going to miss the first half of the greatest opener of all time. Oh, uh, and so I've really got to shut it down. Can't listen to anything. I'm going to record it and then watch it uh, later that night. Um, and so that's what I'm going to be doing, Jason. That's very not exciting. You My preference would be to cook out, invite a bunch of people over. But here we are. So, But that's what you run into. You know, that's what you run into. Culturally, it's different. And... Uh, I mean, it, the other another idea uh, behind processing college football is one of the things that we hope to do in talking about college football like this with you recently getting into it, our being excited about Alabama, Alabama being big, talking about the different rules and, and learning more about it. We hope to draw an audience of people who are in uh, this region of the country, who are more in the northeastern region of the country, who may be interested in college football but don't know much about it uh, and want to get into it. Um, and one of the things I've found uh, with that is people care about the NFL up here. Uh, there's a lot of teams, and that's important, professional teams. But it's really easy. Once people get on the inside, I don't think people quite understand college football. Kind of like you going and watching it with those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you experience it, when you taste it, once you get to see it and experience the community around it, mm-hmm. um, man, it can really draw people in. And so I hope people get to experience that and, and listen to the podcast to be able to get on the inside and realize kind of what's so special about college football uh, and the unique thing that, that it kind of brings to the table. So I hope that that, that happens. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I agree with all of those points. Um, now, uh, I did say I would tell our listeners at the end of the show where they could reach us. So, uh, we have set up a few things, uh, and, uh, give us a little bit of, uh, time to get everything, uh, set up and going. But, uh, for right now, you can reach us on Twitter at ProcessingCFB. Um, online, we have a website, uh, which has like two sentences on it, um, processingcollegefootball.com, a clever title. Um, and then if you want to email us, uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, anything you want us to address, um, even if you want to correct us, particularly me, send us some email, processingcollegefootball at gmail.com. Um, and you know what? This is a, a special offer just for our new listeners this episode. If you tweet the word macaroni to processing CFB, uh, Mark Catlin, he will give you your very own nickname. Um, so do not miss out on that. Uh, so that's important. And nicknames are a very important, important part of life. We'll have to get into some of those nicknames, Jason. I agree. Uh, that we've done throughout throughout our time together because they're varied and they are. Whew, there's some doozies. You got it, Cat Daddy. 
I'll I'll save mine for you for for a later time because they're 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 unique. Okay. Uh, well, that's it for me. Um, I will talk to you after the weekend is over, and we'll process some college football. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to uh, processing more together. Glad to kick it off this week. All right. Later. See ya.